0: Welcome to Maximum Power, the Blake 7 podcast, where this week we are off to the harvest of Kairos. I'm Pete. I'm Cole, and a man, and a human being, and a man.
1: I'm just Peter. (laughs) I'm Cy.
0: And I'm Simon. And none of us are computers. Uh, but in now, in ancient Greek, I have discovered, kairos means time, or more specifically, sort of timeliness. Uh, this might be an episode that's of its time, or it might not. It asks us challenging questions like, what is a man? What is a script? And have you ever <laughs> been to a harvester before? And just, oh my god, what the hell were they thinking, is another question that pops into the mind a few times during this episode. Cy, uh, Cy, where would you start with this? Well...
2: I think Ben Steed has a few problems (laughs) I think he has some things that he really wants to get out of his system and across his three scripts for Blake 7 he really, really gets those out of his
0: system Because this is the first isn't it? This This is is, his first first shot
2: His first shot at (laughs) um, the battle of the sexes about how men are superior to women in just about every single way it gets worse from here and that's the worst thing of all <laughs> is that um this is just the start and by the time he gets to to Moloch later in the series we we've got real real problematic material this one at least is fun and isn't isn't too bad but yeah um it's it's a really interesting story and is incredibly enjoyable but without actually being very, very good. <laughs> Although there That's are great brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant moments all the way through and it's one of the most quotable episodes of of all. So I it's not that I don't like it, it's just I don't understand where this was coming from. I think with sort of nearly forty years, over forty years on it's very much a product of a time before it was even made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've seen one online comment saying that it it, it it surpasses offensiveness to deliver hilarity or something like that. <laughs> like, actually, trying to be is it trying to be offensive and actually doing it, being so incredibly silly that it, yeah.
1: So I don't you think it stands to reason. After all, he's a steed. Some might say a stallion. So he is a man. <laughs>
2: ah, he is definitely a man, not an artisan.
0: <laughs>
3: we're just going to sit here for an hour and quote the
4: episode, aren't we? <laughs> we're just going to re- yes react the episode. I mean, I have
1: to say that those opening scenes do set the tone for the the campness of the episode. And... That opening scene with Servalan and her Worrywart, Dasta, who was the guy in Monster of Peladon, if you hadn't picked up on that.
4: Yes, he's he all Roger, yeah, yes. yeah,
1: They are just played to the hilt by Jacqueline Pierce. That line, an artisan. It's so camp. And the dialogue, it's not his name is Jarvik. it's they call him Jarvik. So his real name's probably Wilbur or something. <laughs> <laughs> <But> yes. <Gary. laughs> there are moments.
0: I love the... Uh, uh... Servalan is dressed like she's shot down a fairy godmother and <laughs> stuffed it, and that's that's like <laughs> half of her costume. It's I think we had a new costume designer in this week for, of, of the one who's worked with Shirley Bassey a lot. It which shows. Uh, <laughs> explained. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah.
2: definitely her campest outfit so far, and is yes. but is not going. This doesn't even reach the heights that her her series D costumes reach, which are the pinnacle of camp. But here, I think the costume really suggests her performance as well so she's in something that's really camp and flamboyant so her performance becomes really camp and flamboyant to match that
3: that made sense because everyone else is dressed in the way that they behave as well i.e Tarrant's in a tracksuit Callie's in a a dressing Mm. gown avon's been to millets for some (laughs) camping gear no one's really showing up particularly well
1: And the guards are the guards are very well, fancy with their shoulder padded uniforms. There are moments where this episode oh, yes. comes perilously close, very enjoyably close, to carry on, Captain Shad. <laughs> 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 hello, sir. <laughs> yes, hello, sir. <laughs> He's
2: the like that, poshest it? soldier that we've had so far.
0: He really, really is.
2: And there've
4: been some posh ones, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Now I, I have to confess that I have a very special relationship with this episode because this is, was my very first episode of Blake 7, because Peter here... (laughs) That's me. Back in, I think it must have been 19... That's him. In 1990, (laughs) when uh, Doctor Who had just left the airways for the... Well, what we thought at the time was the final time. And I'd heard of Blake 7, I knew that it existed, but I'd never actually seen an episode of it. And Peter lent me, um, still quite early in our friendship, so he was lending me this very precious thing, which was a four-hour tape, which contained... Dawn of the Gods, Harvest of Kairos, City at the Edge of the World, and Children of Aaron Wisely, he had forwarded the tape through to start at Harvest of Kairos. Um, and so I sort of thought, okay. So I sat down completely alone, like he wasn't in the room. So I, I took this home and I put it on and instantly, instantly, it, it had this incredible, I, I, was, I was completely stepped away. It had this incredible familiarity, of course, because it all looked like, you know, Graham Williams era era Doctor Who. And you have to remember at the time, this was only 10 years earlier this has gone out. And so for me, this defines or this this is Blake Seven for me. And I, I absolutely loved it from the moment it started. And that scene that you were just talking about with Servalan and um, Autron. Uh, having that whole they call him Jarvik. It absolutely captured my imagination. And, of course, I'm seeing Jacqueline Pierce after I've already seen her as Jassini. So everything kind of fell into place and made sense as I started watching it. And I absolutely love this episode and I'll defend it to the death. I have to second that. (laughs) Great.
1: (laughs) This was one of my favourite episodes from childhood because I saw it in 1979, first transmission, and then I saw it repeated at midnight in 1981. I remember looking forward to this episode and even watching it now, there is so much to enjoy in this episode and so much that I think is genuinely good.
4: Yes, there is so much that is genuinely good. Obviously, there are some things that haven't aged well, if I can express it in those terms. But, but I think th- the whole thing just hangs together so brilliantly and it, it, it just walks the right side of the land, line of campness and ridiculousness uh, that... that <laughs> it's you, quite quite I wide can't of that line. Be, I, actually, can't, it, I yeah. can't be I can't be angry. Yes, but I can't be angry. With, thing, yeah. I can't be angry yeah. with with what with anything that's that that's that's wrong with it. I know there are things that are wrong with it. I know we're going to talk, talk about those things in detail. But but um, I don't know. It, it's just it's just oh <laughs> wow. <fun. laughs>
0: Gerald Blake is directing this one of uh, Invasion of Time. Of fame is the first thing that springs to mind oh. when I think of him. There's rather though he's done quite a lot of other things, hasn't he? But there's, uh, I think this is only one. Oh no, he does another one later in the series. He does death series. as well. That first fight scene, though, where um, where Javik overpowers the guards and oh, they sort of politely <laughs> stand waiting for him to grab hold of their heads and very gently bop their yeah. heads together, it was a beautiful little. Moment. I think they were
1: hypnotised by the fact that he unzipped his shirt to the waist and was standing there with his hand <laughs> on his. (laughs)
4: no 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 the the tunic the tunic becomes more unzipped as the episode progresses so after he's captured the liberator the zip is practically all the way down to his crotch whereas earlier on the zip is the zip is at a more modest level um but there there is there is actually something wrong with the execution of that scene you're right because when serverland much as i love the 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 moment when serverland actually goes will you obey me it's all a bit like i think we needed another shot somewhere or 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 there's a bit of editing that that was required it's 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 a bit clumsy you're right and so as soon as you said oh you see in directed invasion of time i go oh yeah okay that's why (laughs) but it's true i
2: um she's saying to the to her guards or take take him will you obey me and yet her arms are right in the way of the guards getting anywhere near jarvik (laughs) as if she's about to to uh, protect them by her
4: sheer fabulousness yes (laughs) I will, shield song. You. I will shield you <laughs> yeah. from this madman. <laughs> yeah.
0: But if Dudley Simpson had fed in the opening bars of um, a Big Spender at that precise <laughs> moment, she could have just burst into it and it would have been absolutely <laughs> fitting. Not a tonal shift at all. I mean, we
1: absolutely will talk <laughs> yeah. about the problems with this episode because they are legion. But there is more nuance to it than you think at first glance. So that scene where Servalan is completely unafraid of Jarvik when he's holding a gun on her and a guard's yeah. been knocked down like bowling pins. Um, she never cedes her authority to him. Never.
4: And she's always in control.
0: <laughs> I'm somewhat reminded of the moment in Absolutely Fabulous when uh, Safi is appalled at the, the uh, pictures in the newspaper of a political scandal. And, uh, and Safi goes, that's degrading and appalling for women. And uh, and uh, Joanna Lumley goes, what do you mean? She's got the whip. <laughs> 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 it's that kind of vibe. Servaland so doesn't actually have a whip, but she's serverland so she's got to no, the whip. No, and she only
2: gives in in private when she's in her her boudoir because there is no other word for where for that room than her boudoir it's a battle
1: boudoir isn't it battle boudoir with a purple lit corridor outside it, it,
4: yes <laughs> but even then her instruction is her instruction is i should like you to do it again <laughs> like it's it, it, it's she's in she's in command she Absolutely. says you will now you will now submit me to that disgusting and primitive and degrading act uh, again. (laughs) I I just
2: love the way she
4: purrs that line. It's it's a fabulous moment. It's actually a prelude of of the way the performance develops over the rest of this season and into the into the final season. I think mm-hmm. it, it's 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 where I think the 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 end game of Serverland kind of properly kicks into gear. And I think it's this it's a server now, Serverland that I know and love is basically from here on. Or oh, actually, not so true. Right. From aftermath on, basically, it's when Serverland is like when they just throw away any pretense at um <laughs> at realistic performance and and just, mm. and just go for it. J- Jarvik is such an interesting artifact of the time, though, because. Um, I mean, there was never any, there, there was never ever, you know, in, in a lot of these sort of BBC dramas, there was never a- any men that in the modern era, well, sorry, there were very, very few men that in the modern era now, you'd look back on and think, oh, four, he's a bit of all right. They've always got this kind of weird, heavy, quite heavy features and... And quite, quite unattractive. I mean, they're obviously what, like, a sort of a, a straight producer in the 1970s thought was an mm. attractive man. They didn't actually ask someone who might actually <laughs> find him attractive because yeah. this guy actually has done... Um, uh those sorts of roles like he, he's i mean i know he goes on to be vanguard in in terminus and he's obviously let himself go um in the few years in the intervening few years but he's kind of playing heartthrobby type things in emmerdale isn't he is, is that right
0: yeah that's right yeah he was he was fraser heinz's brother in emmerdale for uh, oh. for a year or two um uh, in the early 70s yeah so he was, yeah. he, was, he, was a, he was a housewife's favorite
4: i suppose would be the sort of thing that on his TV. Uh, when... <laughs> 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 that's the phrase they used well, that that that's what I think when I look at him. I just go, oh yeah. yuck! Like, like it's it's just completely the antithesis of what I consider to be an, a, an attractive man. Mm. But it, it's that thing that like he doesn't like the computers. Like he, he's skeptical of that. It's that it's, it's not hippie. <laughs> Hippie's not the right right word because of course it, 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 it's it's post hippie and he's is in no way hippie. But it's like that back to basics, back to the caveman. Like you know, it's that luddite sort of thing of of, of we we shun technology and and technology is for wimps and for for nerds and mm. and, and, and all that. And I'm a real man because I know how to. I know how to beat people up with my fists if you know what I mean um, rather than hide behind all their magical technology and and pretty guns and so on and and sparkly uniforms Yeah, he... And,
0: and, and he has the respect of the men as soon as he speaks to, uh, like I said, his very, his very posh person, who uh, is a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, Hello, sir. I do remember how much I enjoyed fagging for you. Um, <laughs> that, that might, maybe that needs, no, I actually will come to that later. Because there's a whole... It occurred to me you could do an interesting parallel of her repressed, dis- Servalands, repressed, dysfunctional le- relationship with Travis. With this, is he her ultimate rebound from Travis? And maybe we're going to say this every every week on Series C with every man she speaks to, because with Travis it was all about repression, and and there was you know there was a, there were hints, but nothing more than that. And she was always too contemptuous of him to to ever mm. really, uh, despite their, their, their shared fetish interest in terms of their clothing, perhaps. But is this like the the completely the antithesis of Travis? As, an, as a different type of henchman, I don't know. Mm. I doubt they, I don't know if that I, much. I think went if, into Tra- it. if no. yeah, I think if no.
4: Travis continued into series C, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if the relationship st- you know with a third actor perhaps <laughs> we um, can only <laughs> I hope be surprised <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 whether that relationship would have kind of um, yeah. b- become like that. But, but we do get hints of that kind of serverland before, like you know, you are the sexiest supreme commander or whatever the line is from. Whatever the episode is, mm-hmm. you know. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, Simon, yeah. are you talking? We, we, we about We have Karnel seen that. We have seen weapons. this side of. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about Max from Carnell from <laughs> Weapon. Carnell <Got it. laughs> from Weapon, but, 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 but you know, it, it is. Um, it, it's uh, we have seen this this side of serverland kind of seducing mm. or, or allowing herself to be seduced by by the um, by the thing. Do you think? Are we supposed to? Is the 1979 versions of ourselves? Are we supposed to think that Javik is actually a bit of a dickhead? Or are we supposed to think, yeah, he's, he's my kind of guy?
3: I think it is interesting because I wasn't sure if it was trying to lampoon both the sexist stuff or, and, because it's, tr- it's trying to, say, I think it's trying to say something like, everyone's incompetent this episode. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, if you're a computer, you're a sophron, or, a, well, sophron is the one that saves the day, but I wasn't sure if it was just trying to just be so ridiculously over the top that it's bound to fail. I think that's what it was trying to say. Like, this guy is always just going to fail, right? And it's so... uh, Uh, and whether or not I was trying to say something about like overconfidence and macho and like who's more macho Tarrant or Jarvik, or and Avon this week's going you know what I'm not doing any fucking macho at
0: all I was going to play, play with the rock yeah and, and, Avon's villa this week isn't he basically <laughs> he's off doing a little com- comedy side quest and there's that big expl. there's a moment where there's that big explosion his rock makes everything That's explode right. and, and he just turns around and goes sorry <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry yeah. <laughs> unsarcastically maybe they've some of that for Villa.
4: Going back to my previous point about this being my first Blake 7 episode, this is therefore my first opportunity to see Avon and remember I've seen Paul right. Tarrow in time, in, um, time <laughs> <laughs> but so, so this, is, this is actually what I think this, this is how I'm introduced to the Avon character and and I am incredibly captivated by this kind of thing where he's just going off and doing his own thing and, and just everyone else is getting in his way to find out what the Sopron does and, 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 and what it actually is and gradually tricking everybody else into seeing slightly greater versions of themselves and so on I, I just love Simon so, mean, you
1: must have enjoyed going back to series yeah. B and seeing Avon on in that uh, sort of secondary protagonist role to Blake, because that's really what he plays in this episode.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, well, I didn't like Blake though, so you know, it may have been called Blake <laughs> Seven, but I don't have to like the title character. <laughs> but
2: this episode is really positioning Taron as the captain of the ship and the leader of this crew, um, sort of more, I think, than than sort of any other episode that there is. So it's all about um, Tarrant versus Jarvik and Tarrant leading the crew and having to put up with Avon's plotting and doing things and taking Callie off the flight deck when he desperately needs her. And it's about his piloting skills and rolling the Liberator. Rolling the Liberator? Oh, my God, that's really cool.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's trying to position him, but to bring him back down to Earth massively, you know, because he's, like, overconfident. And it's like, oh, what could possibly be hidden in these,
0: like... Sheds they bought from being and <laughs> and painted <laughs> yellow. that Avon <laughs> has to... high rolling things on wheels. Wait, what do they do? What, what? Right, when? So this is not interesting, but it's obsessing me. When they <laughs> when they beam into that room where they all are with the wheelie thing. Well, so so uh, Tarrant beams in first. Says it's all clear. Then he just opens the door and everyone else walks in. They're on the freighter at this point, I guess, and then they just wheel the things out. So I guess I'm trying to imagine them wheeling those things on coasters up that little jangly uh, corridor that they've got to the Liberator up that that hose pipe, (laughs) 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 which is basically. Why didn't they just beam the whole mall over? But you can't. Why didn't they check them first? God. There was a lot. I wrote that down, and then bloody Jarvik says at the end. Did you know Jarvik very briefly while he's having his post-criticizes the script. Rules. <laughs> yeah. he, he specific, of course, Tarrant would be too arrogant to check what was in those boxes. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you thought of that quite late in the drafting and I did that, didn't you? <laughs> Somebody added that. I, think Bush, I imagine no, Chris Boucher added that. I, mean, I
1: think it's interesting. This character, this episode's a bit of an aberration because of its focus on Tarrant. And I think it might be an artifact of the original character who became Tarrant, who was meant to be the captain, quote unquote. Um, and I think was meant to be maybe um, a federation officer who you weren't sure where his loyalties lied um and so it's weird to hear Servland talk about tarrant is doing this and tarrant's doing that like he's the leader of the group now yes when she's never even met him mm. and later on she says they are his crew whereas you would just automatically think that she would assume a1 was in command now
2: well, exactly. Considering mm, where it, they've been at the start of the season with the Battle of Wills between Avon and Serverland in Aftermath, this feels very, very odd that they get that single little exchange on the flight deck and that's it. Paul Darrow is standing at the back of the crew, which is really, yes. really unusual. He's usually front mm. and centre at this stage. To sort of have him behind Tarrant and Dana is a really odd and unusual mm. positioning.
0: Have you seen his uh, his comment about the script? He just said, yes, yeah, so after uh, filming that episode, I decided that um, if, if they would film a script like that, I'd have a go at writing one. <laughs> <laughs> By which he means it was a script which Avon... It is not an Avon episode, is it's it? Not. It's any-
1: oh, is this not infamously the episode where Jan Chappell decided she wasn't going to come back if there was going to be a fourth season? There's a moment that, where right. she first sees
2: the Chirapan insect <laughs> on location <laughs> and you can just see her face yes. and she just cannot disguise her absolute, <laughs> di- almost disgust at having to act against this thing and I <laughs> think that's the moment it's where she unfortunate, thinks, isn't it? I've, I've had enough I've had enough of this shit I can't do this <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's like that early Simpsons episode where is it Ralph Wiggum gets the gets the Valentine's card or doesn't get a Valentine's card and you see his heart break uh-huh. <laughs> and his face just uh-huh. <laughs> needed the freeze
1: frame <laughs> on Jan Chapel, and there's the moment she decided <laughs> to leave yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We can find. But the isn't, but isn't the
4: carapan thing so cute when it kind of bends over and sort of eats a little piece of carapan that um, Dana's thrown at the fetus A little munchy munchy noise (laughs) Yes, a little
2: munchy noise And it's just the way it wobbles off on location and wobbles off back to its nest It's lovely, but you can understand the cast just being, (laughs) oh
0: Yeah well, when Dana so, so, has to stand there screaming because she's got a bit of cobweb on her foot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, so, so. Oh, someone, baby, <laughs> hey, 10 me. feet away hey. from me. And, and, and yeah. he just runs up to her and grabs hold of her and just moves her two feet to the left. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank
3: you. Yeah, it's not a good yeah. episode for female but-
0: characters. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but Peter, going back to your previous point about saying with Tarrant and so on, like that, where the script comes from, being another captain, it, it's not that this was left over from the previous season, and and, and it, like that's supposed to be Blake, and so Servalands that's just returned to Blake, and they've just literally yeah. replaced um, Blake with Tarrant.
1: I mean, it's very possible because we said during Volcano that Servalands commander in that mori is clearly meant to be travis and is reacting as travis and speaking mm. to her in a way right. that none of her underlings except travis have ever spoken to her so yeah it absolutely could be a relic of that
0: i don't know if it's probably already been covered but in previous episodes but that stephen pacey is a lot younger than the people everyone else they were looking at to play tarrant uh, like he's only 22 and so i think is he really the, 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 yeah, yeah yeah the, the, wow. the, the so, yeah, the script was written with him and Jarvik having been old schoolmates, or old, you know, that that's how it's sort of talked about, but as, as a good 10 years older than him, at least. At least. When I first saw this on, on video in the 90s, I just thought, they've obviously gone through this script and crossed out Blake and put in Tarrant. I didn't realise that it had this other period of its development where it would have been a, a different sort of older character who was more captain-y in, in, in his aspect, which makes a lot of that make a lot more sense.
4: But it can also be that sort of thing where it's just lazy, like they've just decided that Tarrant's going to be the captain and so that's just how the script's written and and the fact that mm. there's been no episode yet where Serverland has met Tarrant, it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, that that's kind of the way television worked back then and, and that's certainly the way I was watching it. I mean, we, having seen this first, but then then seeing it subsequently in the, in the broader context, it, it didn't seem to really bother me. I just thought, oh, well, that's just... the the definition of how things are
1: it's weird because i think there's a missed opportunity there because one of the problematic things about the episode is that it weirdly pictures Servalan as buttoned up and rigid like um she's lost her practicality and her perspective through command which we haven't really seen before and i think it might have been interrogated better with the relationship between Jarvik and Tarrant like that. So you're looking at the point of difference being that Tarrant had become reliant too much on computers rather than his instinct and that, and would learn the lesson by the end of the episode to rely on his instincts more. That seems like a more natural Mm. interrogation of that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: There's one thing I really, really like about this episode, and it's just kind of dawned on me, is that the soft run thing is quite clever, that its um, defense mechanism as a life form is making anyone around it think uh, that it's more powerful than it is. Like Aurak and the the Liberator crew when they think it's like Herculaneum and, you know, go faster stripes and everything. I think that there's some good ideas in there here and there. But it's just so, it's just so off-putting with just like how lame Jarvik's death is and And like all these surplus labourers are just hanging around in a grass field. Uh, It, it,
1: it, Mm. it,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. And the the rock Avon's pet rock subplot (laughs) could have been much bigger. Like, it's nice and subtle. Yeah, that's. I guess they backgrounded it deliberately so you weren't sat there thinking all the way through. Oh, I bet he's going to do something with that rock at the end because they're trying to distract you from the fact that he obviously is. Otherwise, why would it be there? But a nice bit of dystopian. Dread feeling of those guys being left behind, you know, Zervalan uh, giving giving the order to abandon them all because they're heavier. Yes, you're the foreshadowing didn't was but, <laughs> yes.
3: had Thatcher started closing the coal mines at that point?
2: Because it feels like it feels like <laughs> not quite <laughs> possibly. Yes, <laughs> what year? No, okay. What year is it? This is 1980, right. so it's still quite yeah, early in not. her reign of yeah, terror. Yeah. yeah.
0: The, the guard who gets his comeuppance it's clever because yeah. like you you, you really the, the guard who's gloating at them and then gets left behind sort of i don't know it's like at least at it least is. one of the people who had a horrible death actually deserved <laughs> it
3: <laughs> i wish dana had shot um Javik, though i think it's pathetic with the guard just going oh shit it went off in my hand uh, yes. yeah you know it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> D- dana really should have had and- so it's like i am sick of this this guy's been pissing me off for the last 20 minutes you know of this episode I'm going to shoot him in the head or something but it, it yeah. just seems like such a lame
0: no no agency that's where it just you know the, all, all the cameras does wear a bit thin when you like it, 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 as, a, as a defense of it because it is they just seems they just couldn't countenance having a the girl killed the big man so he had to get shot by accident by another man instead when mm. that actually would have been a, a much more fitting ending to it and would have done a bit of subversion of all the stuff that they've uh, that they've gone through or so even far. if
1: Silverland had just uh, turned around and slapped him to death i would have been up for that
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, grab that rock and smack him on the
2: head with it that would be, that would be a fitting <laughs> i don't think this is a, a script writer who's got any kind of subversive Ideas in his yeah, head no. at all, so this wouldn't—it wouldn't have occurred to him to have Dana kill him. It would be just an accident like
0: that. He thinks he's created a new Tarzan sort of character, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Oh, I thought I mean, you were right. going to
3: say Target Book. Uh.
2: <laughs> 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 I mean, how fabulous is it, though, to have Serverland on the Liberator for the very first time? Yeah, Yeah, it's
1: easy to forget. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And commenting on uh, teleporting, Mm -hmm. or she says something like, not a pleasant way to travel.
1: I mean, those scenes with her outwitting the crew, I think, are series high points, where uh, she outwits them with Zen. It's amazing. And we talk about Ben Steed and how he's obviously a man's man, but how does a man's man write dialogue this camp? serverland teleports (laughs) aboard and the first thing she says to Callie is ah Callie how lovely to see you again (laughs) (laughs) it's off the scale
0: it is this also this episode also has an interesting uh place in Blake 7 history as being the episode that was the first to inspire uh what what uh, science fiction erotica connoisseurs referred to as slash fiction, to be published about Blake Seven. Just a few weeks after this episode was broadcast, a, a fanzine published a story called "License," which um, went in, in in a very apparently uh, non-explicit way, but nevertheless <laughs> made it clear uh, the the backstory of Jarvik and the, the the young cadet who stole his heart, uh, Del Tarrant. Uh, and that it wrote, uh, It wrote. oh, I wish everybody's faces could be screen It's <laughs> <That's> okay, <laughs> we are <laughs> recording. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share a link to it. It's there on the internet behind lots of content warnings, but then you get to it and it actually says non-explicit. Oh. Non-explicit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> so the, 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 the <laughs> first Bla- Blake 7 slash fiction to be written was about those two. And, uh, and apparently Tarrant turned him against men forever. And made him, <laughs> I mean...
4: made, or made him the man that he is.
0: I don't know, I haven't actually. Time to read it.
4: I, I think this is a very different kind <laughs> of content.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I might have bought us if it was Jarvik and Captain Shad. Hello, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing it.
3: We want to read your. We want you to write that fanfic now. Adventures <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. of Space Captain Shad. <clears throat>
0: Fifty shads of great. <laughs> no, uh. Carry on, Captain Shad. <laughs> <Chat>. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do think that the heist elements in this are really well done. Um, each side's plotting and counterplotting mm-hmm. and backup plans. It's very entertaining. And I think that moment, there is a lot going on, and There's it a lot feels going like on. it should yeah, actually yeah. be quite yeah. consequential. It's not as consequential as it should be with Servland first getting her hands on the Liberator and that, because like we said from a uh, voice from the past last year, the tone is very slightly misplaced in its campness for the gravity of the events that's going on. But having said that, that right. moment where the pan cylinders open up and the guards come out and you see the Liberator moving off into space is terribly gripping.
4: It's quite interesting that we don't actually see the crew being overpowered. It just happened between scenes. Yeah, and I think
0: Joe Blake is very good with some economical things in his directing. Like when the, when we never see the shuttle on the ground, we see the, the shot from behind the ladder of the of the of the cast climbing up the, the crew climbing aboard it. He's got some tricks of the trade there and and allows some things to be done off screen to save money, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But that's very it's it's very refreshing because quite often you'll get some awful crappy spaceship taking off. From a model sort of thing um and we avoid all that by just by as you said shooting it from the other way and yes it does look a bit bizarre because we do just get this green field with this very wobbly fence <laughs> in it and there's the, there's nothing much beyond that but it, it's it's a kind of the equivalent of them saying there are thousands of them out there it's the same kind of principle we don't need to see a rubbish creation of that we can and we, so we don't get we don't get a crappy fight scene we don't get a crappy fight scene where they're being overpowered and liberated. towards the end of the it episode
1: we will get Sorry the crappy model shopped the thing lifting off Kairos and floating through space. So we do get that as well. One of the things that
2: I found interesting in this episode, and it's not something I'd picked up on before, is when Tarrant says, there is no Federation anymore. Is there something that I've missed or something that is this just a scripted problem? Maybe it's an, an early draft of an early idea for, for the season but this is something that have i have i missed something (laughs) or is it just Servalan is trying to get all her power back and every week she's using up her guard captains who then get killed off and she's trying desperately to put the empire together and then manages this by rumors of death when she's obviously completely back in control
1: I mean, you get the impression that the Federation from Series A and Series B no longer exists. It's now kind of Serverland's personal fiefdom. And so mm-hmm. she spends a lot of Series C with things like Children of Auron thinking, you know, if if we're going to get back on our feet, we have to have these planets which were neutral before. But it's not really until Series D, when they have the Pyline 50 program, sorry, spoilers, that it actually starts to expand and become a Federation again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And we've lost references. We often used to get to her saying things like, you know, as I have our argued for years and there's this stuff mm-hmm. in the past she's had this bureaucracy to deal with that she was concerned about and we're, we're not we're not getting that anymore yeah. are we that little apollo space capsule it's bigger on the inside is. <laughs> it? <laughs> it is seating for five just in case there might be five people i love the idea that they'd find something from the pre-interstellar age and there's a, there's a nice call back in there where they just they t- turn to Villa and say, yeah, open the roof. Uh, you're good at opening things. Because he did that a few... In Countdown, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Nice little uh, touch for him. We don't need to go into that. He'll, he's just dealt with that off-screen. We're not actually going to build a hatch in the roof of this abandoned military base in hot, Of course
1: cottage. it was bigger on the inside. Mm. Weren't you paying attention? It's bigger and more powerful than the Liberator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course it's merely my perception.
0: <laughs> I imagine that the, the in in the script they might have hoped to have an image of the magnificent ship appearing on in civilian's mind's eye right. on the screen. Although Surely, what's being shown on the screen is what Zen thinks it is. That's where you get layers, isn't it? We're not.
4: No, that's just the visual image, which is which is contrary to thirty-seven. That's the it. other thirty-seven yes. It's addressed,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it is addressed. Yeah. <laughs> Could Jarvik have stayed? Could he have become a recurring character through this oh, season? Oh dear God. No, no, <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible. Every week we'd have had
2: to stop for a bit of a, a tournament between him and Tarrant, sort of facing off against each other. It's
0: yeah, it doesn't bear thinking about, really, does it?
1: And also, he's just a terrible.
0: Well, the, the the writer of that class fiction would have enjoyed it, but I think it would have got a bit um a bit a bit tiresome for him. He's also else.
1: just a terribly boring character. There's nowhere to go with him because he's just a man and he doesn't trust technology. Mm-hmm. Okay, we get it.
0: Yeah, he hasn't got
1: a
2: sense of humour. He hasn't got yeah, very yeah. much to him at all, other than he doesn't doesn't trust technology. He likes men yeah. and likes fighting, and probably likes a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He likes, <laughs> men, he likes yeah. the company of men. <laughs> Hello, um, sir. He probably likes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 probably likes a good real <laughs> ale <laughs> um, of an evening, like yeah. a real beer, because that's a man's drink. Yeah. Space Nigel Farage.
4: But, but but he does he does get the last laugh though because he he is trying to say to Serverland don't trust all this computer crap you can see that it's just you know the Apollo eleven spacecraft you don't need to um <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what are you doing you stupid cow kind of thing and so there, I suppose that the moral of the there is a sort of a moral of the story there is, I guess yeah, and maybe which that's is what coming true going for you know, yeah. trust your own it's eyes which is coming true
3: now when we are in this world where artificial intelligence <laughs> yeah. is going to Destroy the truth mm-hmm. completely within mm-hmm. a, within a couple of years. You know, you all five mm-hmm. of us, extravagant, you uh, are extravagantly disposed to using five podcasters, <laughs> will be replaced by <laughs> five AI podcasters. So I've already <laughs> been replaced.
2: Or, or have you? <laughs> yes, the exactly. thing about Jarvik is he ad- he does win. He gets the Liberator, and very few other people have actually managed yeah, yeah. to take over the Liberator. Only Travis, when he's dressed as Chavant, which I I know I shouldn't ever bring up ever again. <laughs> um, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he wins that. that. And he is, as you said, he is absolutely right with Serverland saying, no, don't believe this. This is, this is absolute nonsense.
1: Since you did bring up Travis, can I just say... <laughs> <laughs> how has serverland heard of zen's impudence who from i think travis <laughs> must have given her a debrief from his time aboard yes, a she yes. he said oh that flight computer is so impudent serverland <laughs> <laughs> I, I took i i took <laughs> offense
0: at how rude Tarrant is being to zen at the start of this i, mm. I think it is i guess it is, it's meant to parallel uh well it does parallel javik being rude to serverland but like, like every time zen says something Tarrant's like yes well i do that or yes i do just as I just as I thought, <laughs> after, after Zen gives him some information, it's like no, you didn't. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't warm to. Uh, <laughs> I did not warm to Tarrant uh, at this point. I think he just comes across as really smart. Yeah,
2: and then you've got Dana yeah. sort of standing next to him, saying, "Oh, you are brilliant, aren't you, Tarrant? Aren't you mm. so brilliant? Look at this, you've done this. Wow!" <laughs> it's like she's just amazed. Yeah. At, yeah, to be in his presence even. No,
3: he still teleports down like Spider-Man, though. What dick.
0: <laughs> I, not, this is a question
2: we'll come back to, sort of, through
0: this season. Is Tarrant a dick? No, he's not. Is like Tarrant a dick. Him. Has has he done much too much, much too young? Because if he has, that's the UK's number one single this week. <laughs> oh, will so be Pete, playing it All through, the day. Uh, <laughs> even
1: if we decide that Tarrant's not a dick, he has a dick, and we know this because he is a man. <laughs> uh, we
0: all well, yeah. Okay, let's not <laughs> go into. Them. Them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the camel toe incident on the location footage
0: is not something <laughs> that a family podcast needs to go into, would you? This has never
3: been yeah. a family
4: podcast. <laughs> I think the problem with Tarrant is that he's just inconsistently written throughout this particular mm. season. And that's, that's the main reason. And you're right, I, I don't really like him in this, and I don't really like him in City at the Edge of the World either. Um, but then later I do, and earlier I do. So it, it's just... Mm-hmm inconsistent writing because it's being written by people who haven't seen the character act Mm. yet the actor act yet.
0: has has jacqueline pierce ever commented on this episode particularly whether i i know she often just says she has no memory of any of it so (laughs) it's quite hard to get precise quotes from her about anything but i don't think i don't don't know if she ever did whether she might have enjoyed just having something so different to play to what she usually had to play or whether she felt you know that it was putting her character in, in its place and teaching teaching her a lesson rather than uh, giving her a little bit of extra dramatic territory to go into. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm stretching there to try and analyse something that is really just a writer who wants to write Tarzan. That's, that's the way I've come to... Uh, mm, yeah. To pass
2: it is this. one of
1: those weird things that even though I don't think it's a good episode for Serverland, I don't think that what it does to her character is that great. Perversely, she has some of her finest moments in this episode.
4: I mean, I think it's a great episode for her. It's it's some of the some of the most iconic Serverland yes, moments you in this episode. Mm-hmm. And no one can sip blue milk
2: through through a bendy straw quite as seductively as she manages to do, <laughs> which is a real talent. Yeah. She did one of her most flamboyant ever photo shoots in the costume from this episode, and there are a number of amazing photos of her posing in this costume, sort of on a on a big blue background, and she does look amazing. It's like I have, get the feeling she really enjoyed this one.
0: There's the way that she walks onto the uh, the bridge of um, of the liberator it, it's pure catwalk yeah uh, <laughs> she's try She's comes down that staircase yeah
1: yeah she's coming down those steps in high heels she had no other option <laughs> 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 that's true, yes yeah. that's Good boy, that's
0: not a stylistic choice, is it? It's, how the hell do I get down a staircase? I think
1: the problem is That even though Servalan actually As we said earlier Doesn't cede her authority in this episode And remains in command There's two things There's one, it's problematic through a modern lens That Jarvik grabs her and kisses her Without her permission um, And it turns out that women supposedly like that Judging hmm. by her reactions that's that, the thing, yeah, that, that's, that is... That. Absolutely, yeah. and reaction. that's what the message of this episode is. But also, I think on a, another level, it places Servlan as being the irrational woman, quote unquote, who won't believe the evidence of her mm. own eyes, versus the rationality
4: of hardworking salt of the earth Jarvik, and that just doesn't really sit that well.
0: No, that's not the person that we've known.
4: I don't, I don't think that's a masculine versus feminine thing. I think that's just a a someone who surrounds themselves with technology versus someone who wants to surround themselves with, like, the natural world, however that's yes, defined.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely. I think that's what it is, which is why I said earlier that I think this particular plot might have been better played out with Jarvik yeah. and Tarrant.
4: Yeah. Just with the unrequested kiss that uh, Jarvik gives Servalan and, and that she subsequently decides, you know, she really enjoyed and she'd like to do it again... You have to remember that decades after this is made that this isn't something that was then suddenly terribly problematic, like a couple of years after 10 years after even 20 years after, because 20 plus years after this is made when Adrian Brody wins the best actor Oscar and Halle presented by Halle Berry. He goes up to the stage and basically dips her and gives her this massive kiss. Uh, now, which she on the lips for for, a, for an extended period of time. Now that's I don't know what year that is. That's two thousand and one or two or something something like that. Either way, it's it's, it's more than twenty years ago now. But it's also more, more than twenty years since then. And that was just seen as something that was acceptable and fun because the the following year, Adrian Brody, when he's then presenting the next year's Best Actress Oscar, he then before he says and the winner is, he then gets what? a little mouth freshener oh. thing and goes in his mouth as if he's about to kiss the the winner of the best actress this is something that was just considered normal and funny mm. this century yeah, yeah do you know what i mean so 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 that's why i, I think we can get carried away a bit i
0: know i think this would have got criticism in 1980 though there would be it, you're right people were still getting away with oh, it pro, pro, almost certainly but just, but, yeah i know what you mean though yeah but, but people yeah. would still get away with it the I, tide I mean, yeah. had not yet turned yeah, yeah yeah but there was certainly
1: but it's also interesting what you say there pete about criticism from the time because this was the episode that clive james infamously reviewed um and he Ah, he absolutely lambasts it as worthless everything except for the fact that it has a quote-unquote statuesque knockout in it um and so the only thing that he's concerned with is the fact that Servalan is sexy and clive james who you'd think would be a more erudite yeah. commentator on things has no words about the gender politics so clearly it is seen as pretty normalized
4: yeah. exactly it's just it's just like i mean there were there were yes prime minister or yes minister episodes about where, where there's kind of a sort of a not anti-feminist per se but where there's kind of the, they're taking the mickey out of the, the feminist character and it, it's 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 just it's just the quite a typical storyline of that era and uh, I, well, I, as you were saying before Peter about the sort of the campness of the script, it just it just sort of it, it almost doesn't go together that you've got this um this this man's man saying that you know men are this and, and and I'm going to kiss you because I because you woman you are beautiful, and then overlay all that with all this kind of bizarre camp dialogue it, it's It's an interesting juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And it's, it, and it's the kind of thing you'd get in Barbara Cartland books, which I, I do from very small, a very yeah. small uh, insight into that world, because I once bought a huge box of them for a pound and uh, I gave them to all my mates at Valentine's Day <laughs> for several years. I, for all several right. years, <laughs> I gave them to all my friends at Valentine's Day and never told them who they were from. <laughs> uh, but there, yeah. oh, it's coming uh, out now.
4: Are they full of women being kind of just, you know, spontaneously kissed yes. by some... Allegedly, oh, hunky yes. man that just walked they just that to be ravaged. Completely, completely yes. ravaged, ravaged by a ship. Yeah, yeah. Simon, kind of do you remember the yes. lyrics of that uh, fascinating Aida yeah,
1: yeah, song yeah. where they talk about historical romances and they said, There's women being ravaged and it's always furtive.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like the Benny Hill, I mean, you know, Benny Hill doing all those kind of, you know, titty you know, tits and bums sort of mm. thing, you know, and and basically women just being casually groped um in, in all of these um programmes and, and it's funny that they are. Yeah. You know. And in fact you even hear you even hear stories about the actors making fun of the women and groping them and, and flashing them and all that kind of the rest of it, you know, as part of the that was just normal. It was terrible.
2: Isn't nasty. It isn't like the treatment of women that we get in Moloch later in the series by Ben again by Ben (laughs) Steen. He's just warming up. (laughs) Which is is vicious. This one at least is played for fun. Whereas there's a real sinister undertone, Hmm. I think, in Moloch and again in power in Series D, um, about that he is making about the position of women and what they're for. This one at least has Serverland standing up for herself and not taking it until she is ready to take it, and she's got some power and some agency. Yes. On whereas characters like yeah. um, mm. Chesil in in Moloch have nothing, nothing at all, other than a tight denim catsuit. suit. <laughs> yeah, and the opportunity to be given
1: to their men. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So you know he. He gets worse, I think, which is 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 a big problem. Mm. Well, that, that's what, as Pete said, this that's... is
0: just him warming up. Yeah, it's like the opposite of the trial of a Time Lord. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is your, is, is your defence that you improve? <laughs> no, our defence is it gets much much worse in the future. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, the women
2: are not helpless in this episode. They're not. Um, I mean, Callie and Dana mm. are not. Particularly well written, but they do have some agency, and I think this is lost in his later
4: scripts. I wonder how much of that is also the way it's performed as well. Uh, I wonder, and there's just no room for that in the, in those other, those later two scripts, too. Mm, could be, or either. I no, say. I was just gonna say, I mean, I mostly agree
1: with what Sai is saying there, and I think. Because this is so camp, this episode there is also room for that redemptive reading of the fact that this is a piss take of masculinity. Mm -hmm. But actually, the thing that I find the most difficult to take about this episode, regardless of the gender politics that you can make that it's a legacy of the time, it doesn't particularly affect my enjoyment of the episode. I think there's several moments where the female characters are roughly manhandled, and I don't like to see that. So, Jarvik picks up Servalan, throws her onto the let's say bed and then grips her by the throat before telling her to shut up, which is Mm -hmm. not pleasant at all. And there are other moments, like when Tarrant goes to find Callie in the quarters with Avon and he physically pulls her away from here from Mm -hmm. Avon and pushes her out the door. And you know, the less said about Dana versus Jared the best.
0: But yeah, and I think that moment with Callie could be on the Liberator. Could be as much of it. Everyone, right? <laughs> Obviously, there's the moment where she's confronted with the prop. But I think in terms of her character, if I'd been on a show for for that you know, nearly three years, and you're you're now just the woman who gets shoved aside so that two men can have Absolutely. an argument. Who wants that for a career?
1: Yeah, I find that much more yeah, difficult yeah. to watch than kind of the idea of the gender politics,
0: and the over the shoulder bit is deliberately take it into absolute farce by doing that sort of caveman move it's almost like i I think he's trying to be a parody even if the script isn't actually necessarily telling him to and and the script writer's later work indicates that he's quite sincere that that is what he thinks real men ought to be like but I, i think you've got and sometimes that can make things the output that you end up with more interesting when you have got a script pulling in one direction, and then either the actors or the director are trying to either compensate for it or put their own spin on it. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but the, but that over-the-shoulder moment was like something from a Captain Caveman cartoon. It, it, it is, but then it's followed by the most horrible bit, which is his hand on her throat. Uh, which is again? Did they even think about it, or did they just say that's what it says in the script? Let's do it, or did they uh, did they try to put some layers into it? It's hard to uh, hard, hard to dis- dissect.
4: I, I mean, are they are they still doing that thing? Yeah, are they still do they uh, do they do that thing like the way Doctor Who was shot, where you have you know a week at acting or whatever the hell it is rehearsing Mm it all and then they go into the studio on friday night and 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 do it so those are the sorts of things that are i mean look maybe that's the sort of thing that's developed in the rehearsal room and then or maybe it's just the kind of thing that when they actually get on the set in the studio and there's this couch there and he goes oh i could do this and and we we do that during the camera rehearsal and and that kind of sticks it'd be interesting to know the origin of that because if it has been built up and developed over the course of that week to be then filmed on the friday night or whatever it is it, it, it is odd that no one has thought that there's anything wrong with that but as I said before it, it's it's so hard to apply our current knowledge of what is appropriate behavior um to stuff like that that just appears it's just that's just littered throughout television and film of this era and before and since uh it, it's 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 a it's an interesting you know, it's, it's yes, just it makes it harder to, to about, watch, it, but whether say. it's
1: a reason to write it off, that like I said, there's a lot more about this episode which I really
4: do like. Oh no, you can't! I don't think I don't think you can you can you can use you can say that. No, it, no, I'm you not saying that, episode, but I'm saying that. I'm saying that some people. It's, it's, in a no. a in fact, i think quite a lot of
1: people do because of that.
4: I think they're more worried about other things than her being picked up and thrown onto the sofa, isn't? Aren't they? Like the other the other elements, you're sort of saying you don't mind so much. The Woman, you are beautiful, etc. Or just the crap monster. It's one or two. Is, is it a crap monster? <laughs> oh well, that's a that's no, a whole absolutely. different reason. That's a whole different reason. <laughs> and we're talking about the the, the problematic <laughs> yeah. kind of genre category. So, is there anything, anything we've missed? I, I was just going to say one more thing about the the, the Jarvik ju- juxtaposing him with um, Avon. He is especially with Avon carrying on about the Sopron and all that sort of stuff, and, and being the computer guy. Jarvik is the anti Avon, uh, and Avon is our hero. So I, I, I don't think that, that's just for me the, the interesting juxtaposition. I, I would never, even if I'd have seen this, you know, when I was a kid, I would never have identified with the Jarvik character. Mm. I would always have ident- identified, and I wouldn't have identified with Tarrant either, actually. I'd have always yeah, identified yeah. with either Avon or Villa. Uh, and and it's,
3: um, it's Avon that tells Tarrant to kind of, oh, shut up, when he's about to sort of eulogize Jarvik. It's like, oh, you know, we just had enough of this kind of guy.
0: Um, mm, yeah, and Avon and Avon mm. gets that moment bursting in when they're all being overwhelmed by the guards the first time. He gets he a little a, moment.
1: Yes, the script doesn't forget <laughs> yeah. that however clever Tarrant and Jarvik are meant to be in their battle of wits, Avon is still cleverer than both of them.
0: Yeah, he's just got something more interesting to do yes, this week yeah, as far yeah. as he's concerned with his, with
4: his rock. I absolutely love his put down of them all saying present company not <laughs>
2: he's going full-on darrow to to juxtapose yes. all the nonsense going yeah. on around him
0: and i like that
4: yes <laughs> do, do we think this is where he where avon starts to just become paul darrow or do you think that's already happened
0: yeah i think we're already there aren't we yeah I, was a, yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: There is certainly a line you can draw between the bigness of Jackie Pierce's performance and the bigness of Paul Darrow's performance and it's just whoever is ahead at the time.
0: Thank you for listening to this, as five guys deal with sexism uh, we can. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, other opinions and possibly more insightful ones <laughs> are available but we're just here to talk about what we want to see and yes it's interesting that none of the none of the female members of our posse uh, signed up to do this episode well, una wants una wants to do power because
3: she said that that's what made her a feminist so we're in for a fantastic oh my and god she's seen, uh, <laughs> yes. she's seen all the notes that the bbc i think sent ben steed back when she went to caversham so that's going to be interesting Oh, of course. Oh, wow.
0: She's had access to the. uh... (laughs) So she knows about the episode we could have got as well as the episode we did get. That's going to be very interesting. Can I be controversial and
1: say (laughs) that I think Power is absolutely Ben Steed's best script? Okay, we're going to get you. You just earned yourself a place on that episode, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Peter. just, yes.
4: I-, I was about to say I- I- if uh, if power made Una a, f- a feminist, uh, and this episode made me like seven. I'd say the thing we can take away from that is
1: Moloch didn't make anyone anything. <laughs> that is what anything, I reason yes. you would say. <laughs>
4: awesome.
0: So thank you for listening to our degrading and primitive podcast. We should like you to do it again.
2: Good night. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: Goodbye, sir.
0: Switching to manual. Maximum power on all
2: drives. Maximum power.